Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It's been a wild week in sports this week. The NFL draft has come and gone. The Yanks are playing the cheating Astros, and the NBA season is almost over. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it is the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. So, we're doing something different this week, guys. We have a Thursday release for all you loyal listeners. I know you're used to Wednesdays. I didn't mean to throw you guys off. It's been a busy and hectic week, but I made sure there are no weeks off. We got an episode in, and I produce as much content for you guys as possible because someone needs to break down. This post-draft analysis for you guys, what happened with the Giants, what happened with the Jets. It was craziness on the draft day, uh, the draft day's weekend, however you want to look at it. The Giants were very active, the Jets were active, moves were made, who were the winners, who were the losers, not only with the Jets and Giants, in division, around the league. We're going to break all that down, and I have Bill Campy, my good friend here, to help me break all that down for you guys. So let's waste no time and get right into this Thursday edition of the Believe in New York Football Podcast. All right, now I have my great friend, Bill Campy, on the show. He's back. We are back. Uh, I told the people this is already different this week because we're releasing this episode on Thursdays. I don't want everyone to be out of whack by this. But maybe this is permanent. I don't know. Maybe it's permanent. We're going to try to do this on Wednesdays moving forward. But luckily for all you guys at home, Campy's flexible. He's very flexible. In terms of his schedule, in real life, I, I mean, you kind of look flexible. I think you're a little flexible. I don't believe, know how to stretch. Believe it or not, I am pretty flexible for being a big dude. So I, I pride myself on that. I think it was all that ice hockey as a younger guy. But That's thanks for right. having me you on. You did Rod. play hockey. I always forget that. I always forget that. Well, you know, you, you also had to get yeah. in the stands too. You know, the big guys that got to get down in the three, four point stance, you got to be able to bend a little bit. You got to be able bit. to bend at the waist a little bit. But KB is here. I'm glad. I'm happy about it. Um, yeah, things have been sporadic for us, uh, at least for me. Football season's here, Campy. Football season's getting going. We got guys in the weight room. It feels back. The NFL draft has now come and gone. We're nearing summer. Football's in the air, and it feels good, man. I'm excited about it, um, and we have a lot to talk about today. We, we do. I guess let's get right into it. I guess let's get right into it, and both the Jets and the Giants were super active. 
super active in the draft. We already knew the Jets were going to be active just based on the sheer amount of picks they had. We didn't really expect it out of the Giants. And then, holy shit, that we just load up. Uh, the Giants now pretty much took a page out of what the Jets had this year. They're now going to have two firsts next year, two thirds, two fours. They have a second. The Giants ended up moving back twice, moving up once. Dave Gettleman never did that in his fucking 20-year career. Decided to do it three times in one draft. A lot. To, I don't even know where to start when I talk about this. I've been on other shows. It's like it's almost better to just generalize it because it's still just so weird to me. But the Jets also did something, too. They traded up in the first and got an extremely valuable pick. But let's go with what went according to plan with the Jets. You got your guy. You got Zach Wilson. Uh, obviously, the QBs afterwards, we talked about it, be a little wild. We did end up getting it right, uh, at least on this show in the mock, the last mock. We did Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts. Justin Fields ended up falling out of that top 10. But you got your guy. Still feel good about it? You still feel, feel right great. about Zach Wilson? I feel great about it, man. I, I, You know, the Book of Mormon on Broadway, all that, Goldman Zachs, uh, all the all the crazy nicknames. I am all aboard. I am ready to be hurt again, man. I am so into this. I, I love Zach Wilson for his ability to just throw the ball accurately and just he throws his guys open. That, that was the one thing I noticed through since January when the season basically was over is just watching him, he just has a knack of throwing his play, throwing his receivers open. He just has great ball placement. He's able to move around the pocket. He's not, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to outrun anybody, but he's he's athletic enough where he's going to be able to extend plays. And I'm, I'm very excited. And the, almost the one thing that got me even jumping out of my seat more so was getting the offensive guard at 14 and moving up. And uh, I, I love ABT um, going into this. I thought he was as close to a sure thing as possible. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised. So not for nothing, we hit that on the head too. We had Vera Tucker going right there to Minnesota, if not one pick before. We, I don't know if he was. No, we had him going. If We had him going at 14. Yeah, we had him going at 14. So, I mean, we were spot on. I was almost surprised still that the Vikings, you know, were reluctant to pass that up, but. Yeah, credit to the Jets. I thought that was a really good move. Made a lot of sense. I know some people are torn on Vera Tucker. I think some people think, uh, you know, for the shorter schedule last year, so on and so forth, a lot of these people, you know, are taking last season with a grain of salt. I just think he fits the Jets perfect, whether he's the fucking best lineman in the draft or not. I think they needed a versatility lineman like Vera Tucker desperately yeah. because it, it leaves – a lot of room for error. Say Becton goes down, well, you push him out to the left side. Say Fan stinks, you push him out to right tackle. Say both those guys are fine and Fan actually gives you something, then you literally solidify the inside of your line. You have a guard, and just having that on your team, I think, helps the Jets a lot. They need it. They need it. I We both thought they might go offensive line again after that pick, yeah. but they didn't. They didn't. But I guess for that reason, it helps um, having a guy that can go uh, inside out. No, it, it, the versatility is huge. You see it in the NFL today. It's just if think about your starting five for offensive line and one guy goes down, you saw it with the Chiefs. You saw it with numerous times throughout the year where if you have a starter go down and you don't have a worthwhile uh, backup or somebody that has the ability to play that position, your offensive line changes completely. So the fact that Tucker has that experience is huge. I, all I see now is just this this great wall 
uh, being developed where Tucker can be that left guard at, next to Becton and just, man, just run behind that mass humanity and uh, see what happens. I mean, I think it's going to help out Connor McGovern. You know, it's going to make his life easier as a center who had a pretty decent end of the year last year. Right guard spot, still kind of questionable between Alex Lewis or Van Rotten. I think they're going to probably cut Alex Lewis, or I hope they're going to. They're going to save a lot of money if they do that. And then Fant's there. He's subpar at best. But either way, just run left and don't worry about it. It's going to be <laughs> great, one, too. It's going to be and great the one thing, left, though. Good. The one, yeah, and the one thing that I guess people were really knocking the Jets for was the fact that they, they did trade those two threes, and they traded them up for a guard, and people were really miffed by that that concept and i i saw nothing wrong with it not only because they got their guy but because they also got a fourth in return so they lost one pick i didn't see the huge deal in it as valuable as some of those picks may have been um i I think if you're if your guy's on the board and you have an ability to attain him without giving up a first or second round pick you do it yeah and i love what they did in the fourth uh we'll get to that too i do want to address though people just hating on taking guard in the first round. I think it's very stupid. I I think it's along the lines of taking a running back for some reason, there are certain positions that are like frowned upon to take in the, in in the first round. It's go get your guy, go get, and and you wonder something funny. A lot of people didn't view him as a guard automatically. And I think, you know, the mass majority is starting to realize that now because more often than not, that's the better tape he has, but I think that's what he's going to play in the jets. And I think it makes a lot of sense, but before we get into the later rounds with the jets, let's talk about the giants here. So the giants, end up a part of the Justin Fields trade, which I'm very excited about. I'm a big fan of Justin Fields, which you know, so I do like that we're kind of tied to him. Odd that the Giants are sitting there with both Micah Parsons and Rashawn Slater on the board. Pass on them. I was like, whoa. And then we trade back to 20 here, and everyone, all the irrational hot take police decide to jump on tr- uh, Twitter and trash Kadarius Tony, who they take at 20, which is fine with me. We had Tony going to the Ravens. We knew he could potentially be a first round pick. There are reports now that the, uh, the Packers really wanted him and that's where they were going to go five picks later. If the giants didn't take him too, there are a lot of, um, a lot of trolls out there that want to say he was a third round pick, late second round pick. Fact of the matter is kids a stud. I love everything he can bring to this team. And I'm personally excited about what Tony's going to do for the Giants. Uh, I didn't see receiver. They obviously were looking at Devonta Smith. And I think that's ultimately why they traded back. But they needed a gadget, speed, playmaker on this fucking team because our offense is so stagnant, Campy. It's so stagnant that we have a guy like Barkley now. We have a guy like Galladay. And we have Tony, who is a flash in the pan that you know, Jason Garrett's not going to get out of his way. It's going to be very vanilla either way. But if you get a guy like Tony that can score when the ball goes in his hand, regardless of where it is on the field, I think it helps. You can bring him in, motion him, in, uh, motion him, uh, motion him into the backfield, which you see on tape, give him some read stuff, give him some zone read stuff, and he could potentially score on that. Great. Put him on special teams. Ball gets in his hand. Could potentially score. Great. Out of the slot. Guy can go deep. Guy can run slants, drags. I think it just helps having someone that can change the pace on this offense that desperately needs a change of pace guy. Like the only question was we had Rashad Bateman and uh, Rondell Moore on the board there. And I could have made the case more for Moore. I don't think Bateman fit the Giants. And Elijah Moore. But I don't think Bateman fit the Giants very well. 
Moore would be a strictly slot guy, but to be honest, I think that's what they love about Tony is that he's more of a Tariq Cohen where it doesn't matter where you put him. The guy played quarterback. He played running back. He played receiver. Like, fucking line him up at tight end if you need to. I feel like all those other guys, in order for them to succeed in the spots they were in, they had to play those positions they were in in college. I think Tony was super adaptable, was a utility player three of his four years in college. And it adds versatility to this giant offense that desperately needed it. I love Tony. I know you were high on Tony, too. I know you were I liked him in, in a certain role. The only thing, and you kind of touched on it, was I just don't trust Garrett to get the most out of him. It's not that I don't like the pick. I just don't think he's going to, you know, be so innovative to use him the right way. However, you know, it's 2021. We have room to be surprised. And uh, maybe Garrett learns from that first year. Well, look, okay. even yeah, to the smallest extent, though, there were several reverses, several jet sweeps to Ingram alone. We scored mm-hmm. in our last game of the season in Dallas on a, on a reverse to Sterling Shepard. Even if you just give him those touches, his rookie season, say you take care of him and treat it very, you know, kitty gloves on, you know, we, we don't overdo it and we just stay patient with it. And, and you just give him those outside run stuff and, and, and the jets and the sweeps and maybe even some trick plays. I'm still okay with it because it shows one, that's remotely innovative for this offense. We tried to do that last year and sucked at it. The amount of time mm-hmm. that Ingram got no yards or fumbled the ball on reverses, and, you know, we're handing the ball to Shep, who not for nothing was dinged up half the time. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have some speed there where when we decide to try to be innovative, it won't look fucking terrible because we're giving the ball to Evan Ingram. So that's, no. what I, that's why I'm excited about it. I agree. He's a, he's a, I mean, he's a great option to have. You know, the one thing that popped in my head and you, you know, you, you touched on it as well, just before um, just him being able to be in the backfield, all I'm thinking is, wow, can you run some, run, run some uh, triple option or run some option plays with Jones and Barkley in the backfield and mess around with that a little bit doubtful that it would actually occur, but maybe he comes in as like a wildcat guy and you can have that happen as well. Um Dude, so you have, on his tape, he, he yeah. does do wildcat. He does direct snaps. He is not afraid to go in between the tackles and he doesn't get tackled. Right. I haven't seen a guy with this balance in a minute, like always hand in the ground, keeping himself up. His tape is insane. Like most of the time he has plays where you're like, wow, he should have almost scored on this. Like what happened? He ran out of energy, ran out of energy. Cause he's crossing field, breaking six tackles. He's tired. It's insane. The amount of, the amount of broken tackles he had in the limit, uh, the limited sample size, I think he had 80 catches over the last two years. He broke at least, you know, half the tackles along the way on that. We need that for an offense that has no separation that, you know, is dying for like, and I'll even bring this to the Mets in baseball. You're waiting for a guy. You're waiting for the spark plug to get things going, to really move all the gear. Someone you could kind of rely on. The Giants didn't have Barkley last year, so it was very apparent there was no one else. Now Barkley's coming back. Now you have Galladay people have to worry about. If you add another spark plug like Tony, it's a lot for teams to worry about. That's a lot of speed for teams to worry about. If you have Tony coming cross formation, if you just have him in the slot and you have people coming cross phase and he's just going downfield, 
I mean, not many teams have secondaries to cover that. And uh, maybe the Giants and Jets have the only secondaries that could cover that. Potentially. Well, uh, I wouldn't lump the Jets in the secondary conversation, but certainly the Giants possibly. For I sure. was making the joke because we did draft. We we each collectively drafted, I think, like four secondary players um, yeah. after the second round. But so the Jets and the Giants will move past Tony because people either love him or hate him at this point. Oh, he also has no eyebrows, which that's just something. Well, the biggest and the biggest point too with Tony is the fact that Gettleman got that bounty is huge. And let's say, look, let's say Daniel Jones just can't hack it this year. You're in a position to go get a guy next year if you really want to. So it was, I think it was a great move. Gettleman, you know, I think a lot of people have been on him and, and obviously in New York media, they've been giving him so much crap since he's been there, but this was, uh, hard to hard to complain about, especially when you write you wanted to stick with the receiver and they move back most likely because Smith was gone. You move back, you still get a receiver and you get a first and you get all these other picks. Yep. That's huge. Well, and the thing is too, I love next year's draft class already because someone put this in, into perspective for me. I mean, it's very easy to just trash last season across sports. Obviously we had a pandemic to deal with and things were very all over the place. The FCS, uh, FCS is still playing right now. There's spring ball going on. There are dudes there who are not in the, not in the draft. Uh, I mean, and granted, again, two thirds, two fourths. So later round guys probably coming out of the FCS. Then, anyways, but so you have that. You have lower level non D one teams that you know were affected by the season, and even players are staying in these D one programs a season longer. There's an extra year of eligibility. So I know Gettleman and Judge talked about that too. But next year's draft class is going to be drastically different than this year's draft class. I don't think it's going to necessarily be as top heavy. Where you're going to have like eight Alabama players go in the top forty. You know what I mean? They probably still will every year. I know, but you know, it was. It was drastic. I, f- I felt like it was very big program uh, dependent this year. Like, you know, Smith, Ellerson Smith, who the Giants drafted, very under the radar prospect. People thought he was going to go a lot higher. But for some reason, with how this draft went, dudes were falling if you weren't from a big time program. So I think next year's uh, draft class is going to have a lot of uh, under the radar talent that could have came out this year that maybe didn't get enough hype because of the shortened seasons. You know, that Pac-12 played fucking five games. So I think... Being in next year's draft class helps. And you're right with the quarterback situation. Sure. It's nice to have the option, but I am a firm believer. Danny Jones is uh, not going anywhere. He's not people will hate it. He's not going anywhere. So the second round, the jets, the giants traded back again, but the jets are sitting there and Tevin Jenkins is on the board and they go with Elijah Moore bold. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Elijah Moore, but like we talked about this off air. I mean, I was on the Tevin Jenkins train. I would have loved it. I mean, I would have loved that pick for you guys. Solidify that offensive line with some really big boys. Imagine yeah. Tevin Jenkins and Beckton on both sides. I mean, that's that's girth. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why I was thinking at 23 if they stayed there, and I, I knew Vera Tucker wasn't going to be there uh, at that point, and that's why I figured, hey, let's do Tevin Jenkins, and, man, you got bookends and, and all that. Uh, the And, you know, going into that pick um, – Friar Muth was still there, who I was, you know, really. Who, by the way, going to Pittsburgh, that was, I was yeah. like, whoa. It was weird. Um, well, I mean, they have all their whole slate you know, of by own, the way, their own my issues. First, had my first rookie uh, dynasty draft, and I went, I had to go Zach Wilson. I had the sixth pick and a 12 man, had to go Zach Wilson, then took Friar Muth in the second round. Nice. Pretty good about those two. Yeah. I didn't want Justin Fields. He won one, one pick before me, but 
right? Mm-hmm. Your boy Zach Wilson. Wonderful. Oh, he, well, he's going to probably get the most starts other than Trevor Lawrence, obviously, is uh, with all that. But um, yep. no, it's 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 interesting. But Elijah Moore, man, he was ridiculous last year, and his route running is something else. I was watching an interview um, of Laverne. I think it was Lavernius Coles, and he was talking – excuse me, no, it was Reggie Wayne, my apologies. But it was Reggie Wayne, and uh, he was asked, basically, who does this guy remind you of? And he said Santana Moss. And then he talks to his boy Santana Moss, because, of course, they're both from the U, and he says, Santana, who's this guy remind you of? And basically Santana Moss says, me. He's got a little bit of me in him. And that's a great compliment because Santana Moss was dynamic. He was – uh, a great receiver and talking about how the giants have been missing that type of uh, weapon. The jets haven't had anybody like that. Um, maybe since Moss, since uh, you know, anybody that's dynamic with the ball in their hands, just a, a yak type player. Um, so it's a huge, huge get. I did really, you know, as a big guy, as a guy that was a D lineman, all that type of stuff, everybody, you know, all of my every fiber of my being was thinking, oh, let's just let's just get all these dudes, the, these mountains of men, put them together, and then no one will be able to stop us on the run. But it makes a lot of sense, obviously, because Elijah Moore is an elite talent. He was obviously high on their board, and he fell. And then you add in the fact that Jameson Crowder, he's only got one year left. He's you know late uh, twenty nine, I believe, years old, um, and he's quality. He was our best receiver last year. But you have someone that can looks like they can easily slot into that into that position. And let's say the Jets do what I think they're going to do, and they're not, you know, they're not playoff bound, and they're you know middling at best, and maybe they finish the season seven and ten. I think that's a realistic expectation. Um, well, as they work towards the trade deadline, I would expect them to put Crowder on the block and try to maybe get a fourth round pick out of him. So I, I think it makes makes a lot of sense. The other way, right? People were saying, "Ooh, Javante Williams, they could go get him," but we'll talk about their next pick, and that was addressed very nicely as well. A guy that I really wanted to pick up. Yeah, I, I love the Jets' next pick, but we'll talk about the Giants' second round pick. And so, you know, in hindsight, it's very funny because all everyone rips the Giants regardless. I put out a tweet. I, I thought it was hilarious. It's the DJ Khaled. Uh, he just stands up while he's drinking, and it's like, you know, when you wake up on draft day and realize people are going to hate whatever the Giants do. We gain a first-round pick, two other assets, uh, still get some guys we wanted, and people are still going to hate on it. But the second round is a prime example of it. I mean, talk about playing chestnut checkers. The fact that Aziz Ojolari fell to 50 is fucking insane. They're like, literally bomb drop, like, dumb. I don't understand it. We've we every mock we did. I mean, we saw this guy potentially being the first edge off the board. Like I literally was sitting there at 11. Well, the Giants don't move. So like if they reached and got top edge there, like I would have had to deal with it. Like I literally was convincing myself at 11 to take this guy when take him at 50. I mean, and he fell that far because of an ACL injury in high school. I mean, that's that's wild. It's wild to me. Absolute steal. They traded back again for that to happen. So they gained even more assets. Obviously, I laid everything out in the beginning, but the way that shaped out, I, I, and so the hindsight was, oh, you had to do was flip Tony and Aziz, but Tony wouldn't have been there at that point. But 
you know, everyone's like, well, you flip it, then it makes a lot more sense. It's like, yeah, but you don't have to. And it still makes a lot of fucking sense. Like it is beautiful how that panned out. The Giants desperately needed an edge in the first round where I was at with it was Quiddy pay was BPA. And I was like, okay, fine. Quiddy pays there. We're going to go edge now. Now trading back to go edge and taking the top edge makes more sense. And they didn't do it and went receiver. And then the fact that pay went a couple picks after, and then the other guy who you probably would have put neck and neck with him is there at 50. That's a win. Like that is such a win. I couldn't be more excited about it. I put on his tape. He was probably one of my favorite edges in the class to begin with, but it just gets me even more giddy about it. High motor dude. Ben's tight is a problem for tackles and just strong arms. The shit out of it. like for a living, just one arm tucks his shoulder, just bends the edge. And it, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, he's going to no. be a problem. I can't talk. Uh, I can't be more excited about this pick. I'm, I'm very happy with how that worked out. It was a good get. No doubt about that. And you know, he, uh, you know, maybe his recency bias, but, you know, he kind of reminds me like Carl Lawson, um, you know, just that ability to come off the edge and bend the way that he can. And he's athletic and he's not exactly gigantic. I mean, he's six two, like two fifty, but he's he is fast. Fat. He's explosive. So, and it's funny, you know, that he drops. And I think that's kind of something we blame on the COVID season because he dropped uh, Jeremiah, uh, Owosu Karamoa dropped to the Browns, who I thought the Browns would take him at 26, and yeah, he, he dropped felt, to them. And then he was available at 50 as well. I mean, it right. really could have been either or the Giants went there. That and, was another staggering one. And Trevon Morig, the, the best safety. And he, he was dropped the third to the 40s. safety off the board, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He might have been. He was. But he was certainly one of – I mean, he might have been the eighth secondary player at the very least. Um but, yeah, you had a variety of quality players drop out of the first round that were in first-round discussion because of all these little ticky-tack, like, injury history things that popped up because they weren't able to do all the evaluations at the combine like they typically do. So I think you're, you were seeing – everybody was just seeing those things come up late and teams got nervous and they didn't want to risk it for the biscuit – and then you see, hey, the Giants, they get to uh, bask in the glory of, of, of Aziz and the Browns get a big win with a, an athlete like Karamoa. And then obviously the Raiders, I think their only pick that made a lot of sense was taking <laughs> Morick. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so I don't see, I mean, I know, oh, here it is. Morick's going to be here, I think. Was he a second round? He had to have been a second round pick. Yeah, it's 40. Okay, so he was, a se- he was a second safety taken. Second safety. Yep. It was uh, Richie Grant, I believe, was the first. Yeah, yes, Atlanta took Richie Grant first. Yep. Correct. And then I think there were a few secondary guys. Some of them could have played safety. So that's my, that might have been where my head um, was at with that. But you're right. Yeah, a bunch of corners went before him. Also, I, I was talking to you about this on the mock. I did have J.C. Horn going relatively high at the time. But jumping all the way to the first corner into the top 10, I mean, I knew it was gaining steam, but the fact that that actually happened was wild. And then, you know, there was a lot of action, and, and I want to continue to touch on our picks, but I'll kind of work this in with winners and losers. But, um, you know, then you have the Cowboys sitting there thinking Sertan is just going to fall to them. And because Horn goes at eight or nine, no, eight, and eight. Sertan goes at nine. It changes everything, and at least for me, it directly impacted us because then you have that run of NFC East teams at 10, 11, 12 that just turned into this 
that's where all the trades started happening. We were wondering, where is this trade going to happen? We thought it was going to be between six to 10 or six to nine. And it ended up being between 10 and 12. So um, the NFC East, I did not expect to be in all those trades, but uh, you know, the Giants pick got taken. The Cowboys pick definitely got taken. And um, you know, I actually think uh, what the Cowboys did made a lot of sense. They still ended up with Parsons who they probably would have drafted there anyways. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about the Eagles pick there. I really don't. I don't know about them taking another receiver. Like I know it's Devonta Smith, but with the holes this team had, I, I just don't love it. I'm not crazy about them taking receiver. I mean, it, it makes sense to a degree. If you, if you want to get a true evaluation of Hertz, um, I, I, I didn't hate it, but there were certainly things that they could have done that would have been a bigger benefit. That offensive line isn't what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Slater would have made sense there. Parsons would have made sense there. Uh, I mean, maybe, well, maybe Caleb Farley would have made sense there. Who knows? I don't believe the Eagles BS at all. The same way I didn't believe the end of the season, the same way I knew I was like, Peterson's done because I feel like you can see right through the front office. This mm-hmm. whole Jalen Hurts is our guy thing is so we have to say it. They're saying it to say it. Like yeah. that, you can tell that ownership isn't fully bought in on it. They're just there. Why not take Justin Fields even at 10? Like, I really didn't see, like, I know that was even more far out there and everyone wanted to tie that take more to the Giants because everyone loves to crap on Daniel Jones, which is fine. I, we're, we're used to the hate at this point. But the Eagles, a team that needs everything, I know, again, you, you got Jalen Hurts relatively high last year, higher than you should have, but you also did the same thing with a receiver. So why double down on receiver when you could literally double down on quarterback and get a pretty damn good quarterback at that? Um, I, know, I know Smith won the Heisman, but I think, you know, if, if they added Justin Fields to this division, like I, it, it would have made more sense to me uh, and more threatening and fix some needs more than adding another receiver. What if, what if Hurts doesn't work out? And yeah. he actually isn't the guy then. Well, I, I mean, I think we're both under the impression and I have no, you know, I have no skin in the game because I, I, I'm not in the NFC East. I'm not an NFC East fan, but the Eagles are going to be the worst team in the NFC East next year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be picking high, probably around the same, maybe even higher. They do oh, actually, no, excuse me. They moved back. So they were at six to begin with, uh, I believe. Yeah. And were. then. Right. And so um, I think they're going to be right around the same area personally next year. I mean, I like Hertz as a, as a person still unsure about quarterback. I think he has the potential, but I just don't think that that organization is really meant for success next year. I like Hertz. I'm here with you. I like what he showed last year. It's how they're going to handle him. It's yeah. what's around him. That offensive line, they took Dickerson, but every Eagles fan I've talked to, I mean, it is, it is not good. I mean, they had tackles playing guard, guards playing center. Last year, it was like, you know, they were piecing things together like Legos. It was insane. And that's, you know, I think the reason I'm so high on versatility of offensive line, and I feel as a Giant fan, we lucked, we lucked out big time last year because things could have looked a lot worse. No one on our offensive line got hurt. No one. Right. And that just doesn't happen. And then you had extreme examples like Kansas City, Dallas, Dallas, everyone looks at Dallas, their offensive line, they're and everyone thinks their season sucked because Dak Prescott got hurt. And I'm sure that's a reason their offensive line was damaged. Yeah. Eagles damaged. Without an offensive line, you're nothing. You can't well, their offensive 
can't do anything. Their offensive line isn't the same as it was four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so they're they're kind of you know in flux. And then you think about the Eagles. Look, Landon Dickerson, if he's healthy and he doesn't get, I mean, he could be the steal of the draft. Like mm-hmm. he could be there for the foreseeable future, like Jason Kelsey, and have that type of an impact. Um, the one thing, though, for me, which you know, I thought they were a loser, and maybe I'm going to upset some people, or I mean, but I think the Lions, the fact they didn't move back, yes, they took Panay Sewell, who's hopefully, and I think going to be a, a stalwart left tackle for years to come. I don't see the Lions doing much of anything this year. And I would think that they would want to try to acquire as many firsts as possible. Now, look, I get it. You're at seven. Panay will fall to you. You get that foundational left tackle. And they would be hard for me to pass that up, but in my head, and you can't, yeah, you can't assume going into the season that you're going to lose and beat and be, and suck. But if you have a brain between your ears, you know the Lions are going to be bad next year. And why not move out and get the Bears to move up to seven or, or well, excuse me, I know they're not going to maybe move in up division. with the Bears in division. Yeah. Maybe they do. I mean, the Cowboys. Twice the <laughs> traded Eagles. with the Cowboys Eagles have done this now twice. So, I mean, it's a possibility, and it's one of those things that it's unfortunate for the Lions. I think that they would have been huge if they could have gotten three, you know, another first and had three firsts next year, and then hey, one of those quarterbacks they like or whatever, they would have all the ammunition. Not that I think they need to move up very far. I think they're going to be a top three pick. So, I think that would have been the smart thing. You know, chess not checkers. Um, but you can't complain about them taking Sewell. But there was, yeah, I mean, the biggest question mark, I mean. See, I like Raiders. how you're, I, I like, well, you're saying the Raiders? Did you just say yeah. The, I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders. But we say this every, uh, the first mock draft, we're like, yeah, now I got to yep. pick. We just stop at 15. We got to pick for the Raiders. Uh, No point. Just wash, yep. wash. Alex Leatherwood, yeah, bold take there Uh, with take of that. Just threw everything out of whack. Um, I actually think, and I want to, I want to, this is like the super, super hot take, but. Um, I think the Falcons are losers for taking Kyle Pitts and actually doing it because I still am trying to understand why. And we talked about this and everything lined up that way that they want to trade Lance. And if they didn't get Trey Lance, they go Kyle Pitts. Fine. Whatever. It makes sense. I get it. I add it up. But like the Falcons offense is not the dynamic offense under Matt Ryan that they were anymore. They're not one Kyle Pitts away from somehow, you know, dethroning that division. They're just not. And so again, like, I don't want to bring this back to fields, but I just don't see why, like why that wouldn't be the next best option. I know everyone's saying Kyle Pitts is a, a generational talent and he's just this, this, and he is, he is in his own right. Yeah. I understand, but four is really high for a tight end. Was really high for a tight end for me. Um, like, and rookie tight ends naturally don't always produce. They just don't. So you're tabling it another year. And then what happens with Matt Ryan? Who's behind him? They don't have a running back still with, you know, with knees. They have Todd Gurley there. They don't know what they're going to do with Julio. And maybe that's why they get pits because they're trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to move on with Julio and they need another weapon like that. But again, like, I just feel like this is a quarterback class. They had every, and again, I loved what the 49ers did with Lance. And I think either the 49ers or the Falcons would have been great for him because he could sit behind a quarterback that's been there before. 
I have no problem with Fields sitting behind a quarterback. I'd rather him be sitting behind the Falcons than going to Chicago and sit behind Andy Dalton. Like it just, yeah. it would, it would have been a lot better to me. And like, I just think the Falcons missed out on that. And, you know, down the road, I think it, it, it would have helped their five, 10 year plan a lot better than Kyle Pittswell. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, the five, 10 year plan. And, and I, I got buddies that are Falcons fans and, they had that those conversations with the idea of moving back and getting someone to mm -hmm. move up and take the quarterback and get that bounty of picks. Um, but in that scenario, I, I think you're seeing a team that wants to get the most out of Matt Ryan's last couple of years, yep. which, hey, Matt Ryan, when he's healthy and he has the weapons around him, he's still a top 10 quarterback or right there, I think. Um, and you get Kyle Pitts, who's the most dynamic player in this draft in terms of being able to catch catch the football. And I don't think they're going to get rid of Julio. I I joked with my one buddy that like, oh, you know, say bye to Julio. And they are going to keep him. They'll find a way to get under the cap. Not sure how. But the thing is, they aren't going to make the playoffs. They're, they'll be competitive in a shootout but that defense is still bad. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, they do have a new coach. We got to get Maybe Mr. Green on here. Lights a fire. We got we, we to get Mr. Green on here again. I got to, yeah. I was just thinking about it as we're talking about this, because he was right. And even, you know, even uh, Pat for, you know, for, for all his worth right here as a Dolphins fan said, he wanted to get, you know, Pitts top five as early as possible. So on and so forth. Like, it's not the placement of it. I just think, you know, when you step back a little bit, it's not a popular take at all. And I love Kyle Pitts, but I, I just think like, I'm just very surprised fields fell out of the top 10 still. Like we, we had said it. I knew Parsons was definitely going to do it. He was going to be the guy, but it happened again. Like, and Mac Jones, let's just touch on that too. Mac Jones went exactly where he should have went to the team. He should have went to, and I don't think he was a top 10, top five pick and never should have been, in my opinion. Uh, agreed. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see it. I mean, look, man, and I get Trey Lance going at three because of potential, but we talked about it. 17 games is not a very big, you know, sample size. It can't be. He didn't throw an interception in his 17 games. Not one. He hasn't thrown and one he, yet. And the last time he played, yeah, right. And when he played that 16-game season, that was two years ago when he played one game this season. The kid has not played a lot of football in the past two years. And then he's going to – now, look, doesn't matter if you got Jimmy G there and you don't trade Jimmy G and he doesn't have to start and whatever. Uh, so it could work out for him, but he certainly needs to uh, sit for a while and, and just learn behind somebody. So it worked out – for a good scenario for him. Uh, but the Mac Jones thing, it is, you know, it's, you can't look past all the comparisons to Brady. He looks exactly like him. He's out of shape, beer belly, all this type of stuff. Oh, he's got a, you know, his, he's got this fan, beautiful mind of sorts with him. When it comes to recall, he's teaching Bill O'Brien, the offense at Alabama when Bill O'Brien, you know, just gets hired. So I hope the quarterback can, you know, coach up the offensive coordinator a little bit but you know all this smoke that was put out before the draft he had no business going in the top five in my opinion um he doesn't have that arm strength i think he fits new england 
quite well and Belichick will get the most out of him. But if you told me that Cam was going to play all of this year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, under well, circumstances. I also wanted to throw this in because typically the Patriots have just not very good drafts. I think the first three rounds were really good. I actually consider mm-hmm. them in hindsight a winner given that everyone said they'd have to trade up for a quarterback. Right. So they get their guy, but then arguably in the second and third round could be some of the biggest steals as well. We want to talk about steals. Christian Barmore, another guy yeah. that could have been, should have been top 15. We had going to the Cardinals or the Raiders, get him six pick of the second round. Very nice asset. And then Ronnie Perkins fell to the third, late third. So, I mean, that was, that's a pretty good one, two, three. When you take into account, you get the quarterback that everybody said you would have to give up and go up to go get, and he falls right to your lap. I mean, you just become a winner there just by really not having to do anything. You just end up going with the status quo and then getting your steals and those really value plays in the second and third round and Barmore and Perkins, which by the way, uh, speaking of defenses that aren't really the same or teams that aren't really, you know, what everyone thinks of when you think of Bill Belichick's defense, you always account for the Patriots D being this great monstrous curtain of just, you know, they're just going to be steady Eddie. They weren't that good last year. And no. Gilmore got hurt. They, they just weren't that good. Those are nice two pieces. I, I think those yeah. are nice two pieces to help, uh, especially on that defensive line. No, I like Barmore a lot. I was I was very disappointed to see him fall to the Patriots and see him become a Patriot. I do worry about him in the AFC East a bit. You know, they haven't had uh, – I mean, they've had some guys like Danny Shelton being there for a bit and uh, since Vince Wolfork, you know, has been yeah. gone. And they haven't had that steady rock in the middle of that defense. And Barmore can definitely be that guy, uh, which is frightening. So they bring back all these veterans, all the free agency signings. They – bring back all their opt-outs. The defense will definitely improve. Um, you know, if you if you had to ask me gun to my head today, you know, who's going to be the second best team in the AFC East after the Bills? Um, it's probably the Patriots. I think the Dolphins slide back, take a slide, despite all the picks and despite, you know, everyone saying they, they banged out the draft like crazy, um, which they, they did. They did well. I just think that the Dolphins aren't – they are ahead of schedule last year, and I think they take a, a slide back. I also don't love them taking Waddle 6 overall. I get why they did Neither it. did I. I, I yeah, know, I wasn't I, thrilled I, I either. I know it, like, wasn't so far-fetched to, like, the mass majority, but, like, I just uh, – I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, I would – at that point, since Pitts was gone, I would have taken Sewell. I still don't think their offensive line is that good. good. No. Yeah. So mm. – And then, like – I just certain skills players. I get it. I just don't love too many in the top 10, like one, two, the anomaly, like they're not all generational talents. I'm sorry. They just are what like two out of three. Sure. But one of them's going to, you know, one of them is going to be the bust. I want to touch on some other teams before we circle back. I know. Hey, really quick. Hey, look, 50% of those guys in the first round aren't going to be world beaters. That's just the truth of it. So and the Jets got two of them out of out of that thirty-two. So I'm hoping we batted a thousand on that. Uh, but I mean, that's just the, the sad truth. Not all those guys are going to pan out. So I want to get to the Michael Carter pick, but I wanted to touch on some other losers and winners real quick, just in the first round or as a whole. The Packers just are not good at the NFL draft. They also were losers because Aaron Rodgers is pissed. No yep. shit, he's pissed. 
No <laughs> shit, he's pissed. You don't want to know who's next? Seattle. Russell Wilson is pissed, and he should be. These guys are tired of it, and I don't blame them. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't. I didn't love what see, uh, the Saints did either. Peyton Turner was a little odd in the first round yeah. at 28. That didn't really make much sense either. Um, winners, I thought the Browns did really well this draft. Yeah. I thought the Browns rocked it out of the world. And I love that they're going all defense. Like, we talked about it. We had Jeremiah Wosu going to them at 26. They went Newsome. Um, but either way, the, the talking point we had was that they're going to build up that defense to compete with the Ravens and the Steelers. Like there is no doubt the key to winning that division is building the defense and the Browns have the offensive talent. They got yeah. it. They're already running the ball. Like they're embodying the AFC North, but now drafting the defense the way they did. I mean, if I'm a Brown fan, I'm pretty excited. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's really coming too. I think like I'm not two years ago, everyone's Brown, Super Bowl, Brown, Super Bowl, way out of whack. Last year is like, okay, we calmed it down a little bit, but we knew they'd be a playoff team. This year, I'm not ready for Super Bowl bound, but I will say when they get to the postseason, and I think they're a postseason team, when they see a team, and they gave the Chiefs a run for their money, but if they see a team like in division, if they see the Steelers or the Ravens, anyone really other than the Chiefs, I think they might give the Bills fits. Like If they see anyone other than the Chiefs in the playoffs, I mean, i take them to win the first round at least. I oh, think yeah. they get past that first game. I think they're going to do better than this year based on what they did uh, in their draft. Oh, by the way, Gregory Rousseau to the Bills, though. Gregory yeah. Yeah. You got that. We we didn't do too bad. We didn't do too bad. You didn't. You did pretty well. I mean, there were a couple of hits there, obviously. I mean, the Browns. Yeah. If anybody thinks that the Browns aren't the favorite for the AFC North, I'd be shocked. I Mm -hmm. I just don't see how you can't favor them. I know Lamar is more dynamic and everyone wants to say, ah, the Steelers are still there. But I see the Steelers taking the back, you know, a back seat. I think the Ravens didn't quite do enough. And the Browns just seem to have this surplus of talent right now. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to let up anytime soon. So it, the fact they got Newsom and Cormoa, that's huge for that defense. And they were able to add to it. They're going to be dynamic. And yeah, the Bills, the Bills were one of my winners. You know, I love what they did grabbing Rousseau at 30. I think he has the highest ceiling out of the out of those pass rushers out of this class just because he's just gigantic and he's raw and he could possibly slot to the interior at times, be an edge at times, and then getting Boogie Basham, who was arguably a, some first-round talks and then a, a, an early second, not a late second. So you get you address that defensive line that was in need of, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, people aren't stupid. It's a copycat league. Everybody saw what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs. And the Bills, you lost to the Chiefs. You'd had no way of that. That game was so lopsided. You wanted to address the major issue and say, okay, let's go get Patrick Mahomes and let's get him with these two, uh, these two dudes on the edge. So I think it made a lot of sense. And then they drafted two gigantic individuals, both six, eight offensive tackles to try to help out Josh Allen. So no, I really liked what the Bills did. They were one of my, my winners as well. I like the Bills too. I wanted to touch on the Browns uh, line. They're actually nearing the favorites. The Ravens are still the favorite to win the division, plus 120. The Browns are right behind, plus 150. So it's neck and neck. People are still giving it to the Ravens. I, I think the Ravens still had a pretty good draft, actually. No? Uh, yeah, they got away. They got, yeah, they got away and they took, um, what's his name? 
Oh, Rashad Bateman with their first pick or they first pick Bateman, at 27. Yeah, yeah. So they, they did grab receiver, which look, I, I, I got Tylen Wallace too. Who's actually, yeah. Sneaky who's, yeah. Like that was fourth round, I think. Yeah. He, he was later. It might've been late third, but uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to get it all pulled up. This ticker is just like the worst to operate. Um, <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah, I'm patiently scrolling, but uh, I just, I tend to always trust what the Ravens do, even if I don't really know them. I just, no, they do draft well. Damn good at drafting. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's the thing with the way it's like, is he just going to become the latest of the Baltimore pass rushers to just toe the line, be a guy that's a a double digit sack guy and just take over that mantle that, you know, Matt Judon did. Zadarius Smith did. That's what it is. I think there was something. They did get Ben Cleveland in the third. That yeah. was late third, almost the fourth. Yeah. So, uh, yep. that was, yeah, that was the icing on the cake for me. I'm like, well, that's just talk, a, talk about a mountain of a man. Holy crap. So he, he'll fit in with Baltimore very well in that running game. That's for sure. But I still think it's the Browns. Yeah. No, I agree. And also, I don't love that they lost, uh, their left tackle. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's, oh, you, yes. Yeah. Zeus Brown. Yeah. And then you're going to yeah. add the KC, your competition. I don't love I mean, dude, out for them. That's, that's an under the radar the winner. Big winners. The real big winners, the Chiefs, the rich yeah. game. Talk about the rich game. Dude, their offensive line is ridiculously deep now. They have Zeus Brown. They signed Joe Tooney. They got Tardif back. They got their third rounder that they drafted last year, Lucas Yang, opted out. So he's there now. Creed Humphrey. Then, <laughs> yep. They, they get Creed Humphrey. They obviously they have. Um, uh, they get Kyle Long to come out of retirement. He's there. Yep. And geez, just here we go. They're ready to roll. I, they will not have. If, if, if there's an issue with protecting Patrick Mahomes, I think uh, I think they might just just riot in the streets if he somehow gets touched at all this season. I was looking at two. Uh, their six round pick. He's someone that I knew late. The Giants were eyeing up. They went no offensive lineman late in the rounds. And I know we've tailed off from the Giants and Jets picks. It's cool. Um, we'll stay. We'll wrap up the winners and losers now. But they ended up adding Trey Smith, who was a guard that was kind of like the best guard available yeah. deeper in those rounds, and they just got him just because uh, to yep. add to it. So six six three twenty, big body guy. Again, though, yeah, their issue with the Chiefs is mainly offensive line at this point because no one's going to stop that offense other than themselves. And uh, I think they addressed it this offseason, and the draft definitely helped. Uh, So let's talk about it, though. Uh, The Giants, they went a lot of secondary in their deeper round. So as a whole, I don't mind just quickly touching on it because, uh, you know, you never have too many corners, and that's just the way I'll summarize it. You never have too many corners. It gives them some flexibility. I don't know. A lot of people want to read too much into it. Are some of these guys potential Jabril replacements? What does that mean for some of the other guys on this roster? Our cornerback room is deep. To be honest, I'm not sure what's going to shake out with a lot of it yet. But I do kind of like that we have guys that are versatile on this defense. Uh, the same way I like Tooney, uh, the same way I like Robinson. Robinson's going to play a lot of inside the box, a uh, very good shooting uh, in terms of blitz uh, blitzes. Uh, let me gather my thoughts on the Giants real quick because I want to pull everyone up. But Michael Carter, let's go there. The, mm-hmm. Not the safety, Michael Carter. The no. guy, and the Jets love the corner, the not the corners, not, not the, the corner. corner, not the nickel. So yeah. anyways, so I, I was out Saturday and I was a little, you know, under the influence. And so I knew the Jets drafted Michael Carter. And then someone's like, Wait, the Jets drafted Michael Carter, but he's a he's a 
secondary guy i was like no, no he's a running back they're like no they got michael i was like guys this is a sick joke don't do this to me right now i saw the <laughs> like i was i was sober for the third pick like i was sober for the third pick um but yeah so the jets addressed the running back room and yep. i i like it i like it. i think he's like a really good uh spell guy especially when you think about the other guys that you have on the roster uh, you know tevin tevin coleman i think he's the opposite of tevin coleman i think coleman now could basically become the third down guy more often than not. And then you see if P Ryan or, you know, Carter take over the heavy, you know, the heavy duty early downs. Yeah, no, I, I love the Carter pick. He's actually someone I, I wanted them to, when we, when we did the mock draft way back when, I think like a month ago, uh, I liked Carter in that last third round, uh, round pick that they had. So the fact that he fell to the fourth was huge. I mean, I see him as just, a guy that makes people miss and a guy that can actually do something in the backfield for the jets. You put him behind now, Tucker backed in, like I said, let's run left and let's just see what this kid can do. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and, you know, believe it or not, it's crazy to think, but this guy had more yards at UNC last year than Javante Williams did. And he averaged 8.1 per carry. So he's dynamic. There's no doubt about it. So that's why you, you cannot help but love what the Jets did. And I, I, they did exactly what I wanted them to do was focus on offense. The first majority of this draft, the first half of this draft, get value, surround Zach Wilson with guys that are going to be able to help him, that they can grow together with. And they did exactly that. So the fact that Michael Carter fell to the fourth, just, I, I mean, no wonder why they were doing backflips. He's a, he looks like a solid contributor right from the get-go. And look, hey, let's say that the running back room still leaves something to be desired. You still have more picks that you can deal with this, maybe uh, a pick in the first round next year or maybe one of those second rounders next year where you can get another running back to help out. Let's say that Michael P. Ryan doesn't work out or that, you know, obviously Coleman is older, but you have Michael Carter who can, I think, eventually will become number the number two slash third down back Ryan where you guys did and Carter where you did it's almost like even if they don't pan out there is zero hate to be desired there oh no absolutely you know what I mean like it's like to address the need and get the value you did where you got it just stay winning you know what I mean I think the Jets and we obviously don't want to look at it with bias I know a lot of people love what the Jets and Giants did in this and consider them winners um and deservingly so. And obviously the Giants, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's like, oh, well, we didn't address offensive line. How are they winners? Well, they had a first and a third to address the line last year. They also got Lemieux. They obviously believe in their guys. They just picked up an undrafted free agent uh, out of Florida who could play some center too. I believe his name is Brett Hoagie, who looks like he likes to smash people in the mouth. And I really like what Ellison Smith uh, brings to the table. So that's what, where my thought was at. So Aaron Robinson, obviously the third round pick. I mentioned Smith before. I just, for some reason, spaced on him. So here's the thing with Smith. I to, uh, we, we had talked about edge being a need, outside linebacker being a need. Um, when you have a defense this damn good and you could still spot obvious weaknesses and then you address it with a steal and Aziz and then a, a potential guy where – I mean, people were super high on Ellison Smith. Obviously, out of Northern Iowa, people don't really know much about him. Super, super athletic, very fast, strong. Um, look, that's where you take a chance on a guy like that with a super high ceiling. If they figure out this at outside linebacker edge situation, 
we're now talking about no joke. We've said top five. The numbers say top five, top three. Like this legitimately could be the best defense in the NFL. No joke. Like if if these outside linebackers, edge guys figure it out, there is nothing to shit on this team about anymore. Legitimately. I mean, they've addressed every possible need where with Patrick Graham calling plays, I just don't see how how they don't become top three, even if not yeah. the best defense in the, the, the Washington, the Washington, the Washington and Giants games would be uh, quite the slobber knockers. It'd be like 13. That's for sure. Yeah. One point game. I can't wait. I don't love Jimmy Davis. I actually didn't love a Dallas uh, with Washington did. I don't love mm. what Washington did, did, uh, did in this draft bias aside. I know they got a uh, dynamic Brown later in the draft. Uh, they, you know, they got a third receiver. That's all great. I don't love it. I, I don't know. And, and I know that, you know, they have guys there and they're a little bit deeper. I'm still not, you know, getting Cosme was huge. I think that helps a lot for them in the second round. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on Washington. And I think it's because. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick's quarterback. <laughs> one snap away. Does anyone, and I, you're not going to find anyone who doesn't like Fitzmagic, but he doesn't make the playoffs. And have you seen how he plays? He's almost 40. If he continues to play the way he plays, he's going to die on the field. And I love him, but he can't. He's going to nosedive into the end zone week three. And then what happens? You know what I mean? Like, I, you For saw sure. what happened when Alex Smith went down for them last year. Brett Rippon ain't it. So, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback's a big, a, a big piece of that. And, you know, I thought they were going to address it at some point. They didn't. They kind of did the zigzag. Oh, Giants did. Rip, Rippon's in Denver. You mean Heineke. well yeah him and yeah well so i mean either way he's a roller coaster he's he's gonna be inconsistent he's gonna have a game where he throws three touchdowns he's gonna have a game where he throws three picks it's that's just the ryan fitz fitz magic experience that's basically it but so yeah i didn't love what washington did just in terms of taking jameen davis where they did in the first but then you you get Cosby in the second, so I guess that makes up for it. But yeah, I wasn't in love with everything they did, but obviously they're they're going to be the biggest comp. It helps when Dallas is favorited, um, you know, to win the division. And I think actually they had the worst draft of the NFC East. I I don't know what Dallas was doing. I it's don't. a toss up. It's a toss up in my opinion. But I, I get why the Cowboys get the the bump because of the fact of Dak. If, if Dak's healthy, then it makes that team go. But their defense, they address defense. Hey, they address the defense thing, a lot. To, to, to just first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth, fifth, sixth. Six picks in a row, all defense. Yep. They address their need. Sure. Yeah. But where they took some of these guys and who they took, it just doesn't add up to me. I remember at the time, I couldn't tell you everyone who was on the board, but you know, 12th pick of the second round, you're going to go with the corner where just continue your thought. I'm going to pull it up. I'm just going to give you one example where I'm like, this <laughs> it's just this right here okay uh, i mean the, the biggest thing they got to figure out is basically who are they letting go at linebacker because vander esch and jalen smith are there and they drafted obviously micah parsons and then they drafted jabril cox in the fourth round so now you grab two linebackers these are not safety linebackers these are linebackers and you've had a health issue with vander esch who's the better of the two and Jalen Smith's kind of been inconsistent. So they have to make a, a very difficult decision on which of these 25-year-old, 26-year-old linebackers they don't want to have. 
So they did pass on Aziz, and I know for a fact they passed on Asante Samuel Jr. here in the second round, which are bold takes for Kelvin Joseph, who I really don't know enough about, so I won't trash mm-hmm. it. But it was Played at Kentucky, so who knows? That's my point. So very, very off-putting. And then third round, they addressed defensive tackle, but I'm fairly certain, like, that, like at times here, it just – I don't know. It didn't, it didn't really add up to me with what their needs were and where they had to address certain things. I mean, they got guys, but I don't know. Hey man, their their defense sucked. They got bodies. You can't hate too much on what they did. Will it, will it work out? Who knows? But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on the Cowboys winning that division until I actually see it. I would actually, I would venture to say it's the, it's the Giants or Washington's got a better chance. Well, and that's the thing. So when you look at it, Dallas is almost an even money favorite at this and then you got two and a half to one at Washington. Maybe it's dropped a little bit, but like they shouldn't be that far behind. And then you have the giants at like four to one. It just, it doesn't make sense where everyone's viewing Dallas. And I don't think the draft shifted that much. Like, again, I think they knocked it out of the park trading back and still getting Parsons. That's great. Parsons literally reeks of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, everything about him. I kept making the joke and it's so sad that it actually worked out that way. Like I was like oh, <laughs> off the field issues. No one wants to touch him. Perfect for the Cowboys. Perfect yeah, for the I, Cowboys. It made sense. It was either him or the Raiders. I thought he was going to fall to 17. I was hoping he was going to fall to 17. That would have been wild. Well, now yeah. so, and the thing is, I'm glad you brought up the Raiders because we kind of touched on everything. Um, obviously, not too many of the later guys. Uh, we we do have shows next week and the week after. We'll talk about I do have I do have one thing before we talk about the Raiders. And the one thing, you know, basically the Jets got an A- minus for me because – Going into those later rounds, they traded back. They grabbed an extra fifth and a sixth. Uh, and I like, you know, I like the Jamie and Sherwood pick. I like the Hampson Nasraldine pick. These are guys that are going to become weak side linebackers. As I'm watching the, the draft, it's like, why the hell? Safety, corner, corner, safety, corner. I'm like, can we pick some other position? Maybe get an edge rusher, maybe another offensive lineman. My biggest disappointment was the fact that they did, they took Jason Pinnock and maybe he proves me. Not, not, that he, not that he proves me wrong, but they took Michael Carter the second. who, hey, Darrell Rivas is his uncle, by the way, so he's going to be a Hall of Famer, clearly. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, then they go and they take Pinnock, the next pick, and he's from Pitt. So, I mean, Darrell Rivas went to Pittsburgh, so he's going to be a Hall of Famer, clearly. But naturally. Um, naturally. Now, here's my thing. Instead of taking Pinnock, I would have taken Deontay Brown. Deontay Brown was still there. And then imagine this offensive line. George Fant, whatever. Right guards, Deontay Brown. Your center's Connor McGovern. You have Tucker. You have Makai Becton. That would be just a ridiculous line. I think that would have been a great young line to build around. And I understand getting and throwing stuff against the wall for the secondary position that needs help. But, man, I would have loved it if they grabbed or, – or Trey Smith, one or the other. Like, they were both there, and they hadn't been taken. I just kept saying Deontay Brown, pounding the table for Deontay Brown, and it never came to the pass. So I was a little disappointed in that. That's why they got an A-minus for me. Other than that, though, I got nothing to complain about. The Jets, I, I, Joe Douglas, and Joe Douglas we trust, man. They knocked it out of the park. Me and you both. I wanted yeah. either guard. I wanted either guard for the Giants too late because they were just there. They were just dangling. I feel like the run on line just passed, and – uh yeah, they were there for the taking, and then obviously Trey Smith goes to the Chiefs, so Rich get richer. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Raiders because of this, and, and I, I'm going to tie it with the Broncos, but we mentioned it earlier, Rodgers is pissed. He's probably leaving somewhere, and this is kind of where we're going to end this, but where do you see Rodgers going? I think the, the Broncos drafted for Aaron Rodgers to go there. 
I think the Broncos, everything they did in the draft is like, okay, they're doing this because the fact that they passed on Justin Fields was a glaring one for me that it's like, okay, like they're going to go trade for Aaron Rodgers. Like they're like, we'll see what luck does. Uh, Locke does in the meantime, like, but you have until June basically to wow us again. If not, we're going to go trade for Aaron Rodgers, you know, and then if not, it's the Raiders. I think it's one of the two teams in the AFC West. I really think they both are in prime positions where they have these quarterbacks where they invested in, in Carr and Locke that are both kind of depreciating and they're just building everything around them. So that this way, if they added someone like Aaron Rodgers, they could just kind of pick up and compete where they left off. So uh, I think Denver would make a lot of sense. Uh, he does like the cold, but how do you beat Vegas? I know he loves Vegas. I, I feel like Vegas would be a lot of fun to see him. Uh, play. So, so the one thing though, with the Broncos, wouldn't it have made, if they were going to take Rodgers, wouldn't it have made more sense to take Justin Fields? Cause then you can send him the opposite direction. I know they have Jordan love, but at that point, why would you why would you just settle on Jordan Love? You could get another young quarterback because you haven't seen Jordan Love play. You might as well have both of them. So I don't know. I don't necessarily buy the fact that Denver is setting themselves up for Rodgers. If they were gonna if they were gonna do the most to maybe coerce that, I would have taken Justin Fields and then use that as a bartering chip or you know, as a as something as a trading block. Though it then becomes a little harder though, no? I mean, you do have Jordan Love. Like that's the thing. They invested pretty highly in Jordan Love. So I just I don't know. I feel like it's tough. It is tough. But at that point, if you're saying let's say the Packers remove routers from the equation altogether, you don't know what you have. So you might as well have two young guys battle it out and figure out who's the best one out of the two. Now look man, I honestly don't think he's going anywhere. I really don't. I don't think he's moving. I don't think he's going anywhere. I really don't think he is. I think um, because, you know what, the thing is the Broncos aren't as good as the Packers and the Raiders aren't as good as the Packers. And I think he wants to compete. Now, if he stays there, I think they need to trade Jordan Love. I think that's basically going to be where maybe – there can be some type of a of a an agreement so that he has that future nailed down for the next two years and he gets that reworked contract. And I mean, I don't know this whole Gutekunst thing with the GM and, and him and his drama and what have you, but maybe they would move on from him. I mean, it is in season. I mean, not in season, but they did draft. I mean, you could technically bring somebody in to work the books for the season and see from there. I doubt it happens, but I just, I have a hard time believing that they're going to trade him. I really do. It makes a lot of sense to me. I just want to say this. I really don't think the Packers are very good outside of Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I, I felt this way for a while and maybe I'm just like on the outside looking in, but I think Aaron Rodgers has been the scotch tape holding them together for a while, especially on this defense. The defense has now they've held on long enough that they've amounted talent there. I will say that they've spared it long enough that two, three years ago, like I've been saying this for two, three years and now it's like, okay, their defense is pretty solid, but they addressed receiver by getting help with Amari Rodgers again, Valdez Gantling, Tanya and Lazard are the guys outside of Devontae Adams. Not only is the Jordan Love thing a head-scratcher, but you repay Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is a guy you invested a top-two pick in last year, you know, a, a first-two-round pick in. It, it doesn't make sense how they're structuring their, uh, themselves. And this year was the same way. Adding Eric Stokes, I mean, 
he had a really good 40 time, but like he's gotta be he's gotta be better than Kevin King, so it's not a very high bar. Yeah, so but I don't know. I don't love it. But the thing with the Packers, too, is that I just don't think their division is that good. So they feast on that. When you're playing no, the I Vikings, agree. where you can probably split minimum go 500 against the Vikings and then beat the shit out of the Lions and the Bears and go, you know, five and one in division every year. Right. I mean, oh, which makes you, the, the, which... the Jets would kill for seven wins. You don't even have to play out of conference. You're going to get five of those wins. So, well, which which makes my point, I think. Why the hell would you leave the Packers if you want to go to the AFC West and have to play Mahomes twice a year, then play, you know, play know. the Broncos and play Brady anymore? I don't know if he wants to deal with Brady. I, I would rather. Why? Why would you? I mean, play I Brady once. Really play don't. Brady once a year. Fine. I mean, why would you want to play the Chiefs three times possibly in that year? Um, Listen, I mean, I, I, I get it. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Why would you want to leave? But he's pissed. That's no, I he is. I don't think it has to do with the competition anymore. He's just pissed. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for being pissed personally. Like, I, I the crazy thing, everyone's seen it, I'm sure. Like, the fact that in the last 10 years, they've taken nine defensive players and the only offensive player they took was his replacement. Then apparently, right, he voices his approval of Jake Kumaro and they cut him almost instantaneously. Like, clearly – management is screwing with this guy for some reason and it makes zero sense but apparently the Packers just have some type of way and look maybe it's the fact that they are you know they're going from back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks who were seen at at any point in time during their careers as just the best at their position uh, and beloved by millions of people when they were playing with the Packers and they just are going to have these terrible awful divorces like Peyton Manning when he was out of the Colts, like he was injured. And like, I think everyone kind of came to an understanding basically like he's, we're moving on. They had Andrew Luck, like Tom Brady wasn't as, you know, wasn't as discussed, you know, as a big of a deal when he leaves, at least like in terms of like bad blood or anything like that. Yeah. They had the Belichick drama and that stuff. That's always been simmering, but just these inglorious, just explosive atomic bomb divorces, for the Packers and quarterbacks, it's crazy. It's just crazy how history repeats well, itself. See, as wild as it is, and for the same reason Brady uses this excuse to go to the Bucks, he wants to challenge, right? He wants a little bit of a challenge. If you're Rodgers, you're at the tail end of your career. I mean, that's the thing. You already got the ring. Yeah, it's been super easy in Green Bay, and that's the easy way, you know, to ride it out into the sunset. But if you're unhappy, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily let Mahomes scare me away. If anything, I mean, and look – People compare Mahomes to Rodgers. I think that's the direct correlation. So why not duke it out? I mean, I think Rodgers is the competitor that that's something that would intrigue him, honestly, to add a challenge and get people to play around him. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Rodgers is scared of going there. I just don't see if you plug him in on the Broncos. Maybe, you know, maybe they do become. Uh, I mean, certainly they become a wild card team because Rodgers is good to get any team basically to that position. You put Rodgers on any football team. Playing home games at the mile high helps. Like, you know, it it adds a nice little advantage to your tires. Sure. Sure. And I mean, they do have a lot of weapons on offense. Well, I guess in the same way, Vegas can tire some people out. Vegas can tire some people out because everyone's going to go out partying uh, the night before. Oh, (laughs) Vegas, I I just don't see how you would go there at all. There's literally like, look, Vegas lost three out of their five offensive linemen. If I'm a quarterback, I don't want to be there. <laughs> and I don't like Broncos the- make the Broncos make the most sense. Broncos make they the do. Most. 
out of any option, the Broncos make the most sense. But I just – I think he's going to stay. They also got Quinn uh, Minerez. I think I said his name right. The dude. Yeah, who, they did. He lifts lumber yep. and steel for a living and just bench presses. Yeah, but they just – and they just also lost, uh, I think it was Bobby Massey to an injury for the season, torn Achilles because he was working out off-site. And so they're going to deal with that. But they were bringing in um, some offensive lineman uh, on a workout. So I don't know. Either way, I mean, look, the Broncos fans, they should be – just pounding the drum to try to get Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback because you're going to be in for some mediocre football with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And I think Teddy Bridgewater should win that win that competition out of camp because uh, Drew Locke's got awful. Um, and just because you gave a – this is how I'm going to wrap this whole thing up. You gave a grade on the Jets. I'm going to give a grade for the uh, Giants draft, and it's not going to be what you think. And even when I say it, you're still not going to know what I think. But I'm going to give the Giants a B. Do you know what that B is mm-hmm. for? For balls, for the balls that Dave Gettleman showed the entire NFL. You want to know something? I've looked at that trade up in the third round, and I'm like, it doesn't really make any sense. Like, they loved Robinson. Like, okay, that's one thing. But I think he just did it just fucking because. He's like, oh, I won't trade back. I'm going to do it twice. Oh, wait, I don't trade up either. I'm going to trade up too. Like, he literally just did whatever the fuck he wanted. And balls. B for balls. I give it an A. B for balls. I fucking love it. I loved, I love what the giants do because now it's even more of a, I literally have no idea what to expect. Like I never know what to expect with the giants. I can get every fucking pick, right. I'll never get the giants pick, right. Um, Saquon will be the only pick I ever got. Right. And I'm okay with that. Um, but this adds to the list. Now, if Davy G stays next year, dude, I, every year, I'm just going to be like, literally again, full Charlie day scrambling. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I strongly endorse this message for your grade, by the way. So well done, sir. <laughs> Thank Kudos. you. I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> I still got a little bit of teacher in me. I don't think I could justify giving certain people B's uh, like on report cards for the same reason. Just like if a student stood up to me and I'm just like, you're getting a B for balls. Good shit. Like, you know what I mean? Good job. Good job. Good for you. Yeah, you might not be employed very long. So, uh, but, <laughs> well, that's hey. why I'm not a teacher. So well, uh, you would probably get a, a B grade because of that. Yeah. When they fire me, it's just like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a B for teaching (laughs) balls for using balls as a grading perspective. I'll go by, I'll go by the amounts of balls. You either get one balls or two balls. David Gettleman definitely got two balls on this, on this draft class. So, all right. Well, on that note, that's a perfect way to end this campy. Um, We set up our new grading scale. Uh, Thanks for coming on and uh, a great draft uh, by both our teams to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to be mad if you're a Jets or Giants fan, that's for sure. Thanks for having me, Rod. That interview with Bill Campy was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Big shout out to Campy for coming on the show as always. We were pretty spot on when it came to our mock draft, and I'd say the Giants and Jets both were winners in this NFL draft. I hope you guys think so. If not, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Um, thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with the change of date. We'll focus on getting this out on Wednesdays, but if it comes out on Thursdays, let's be prepared. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.